praise God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. We, um, we do so much talking about faith and using faith to overcome our problems and having faith to receive blessings. But how does that actually work? You know, we kind of just throw that word around and just bounce it off the walls. You know, faith this, faith that, keep the faith. Keep the faith, baby, and all of that. But, 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 but how does that all that work? I mean, faith is something that's invisible, you know, and so it's a lot of times it's easier to deal with something when you can see it. But faith is something that is invisible. So how do we work that thing? Well, we need to start at the beginning to understand what kind of effort it takes to have that faith and what actually generates it. So many times we hear the, the expression that you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. So what you put into life, what you put into, into, into your effort with God is, is what you reap. If you sow sparingly, then you wind up reaping very, 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 very sparingly. The Word of God refers to this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. We have to always see what the Word of God is saying. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter nine. Just going to read, actually, just one verse from it, a couple of verses from it, and starting with verse number six. Second Corinthians nine, verse number six. But this I say: He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or not of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So we just, and we'll just pause there. Uh, verse 6 again, but this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap. Sparingly, He that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. When it comes to us prospering, sowing has a lot to do with, with the success of our lives. And this sowing, obviously, the first thing that you think about here is money. You know, and obviously the word, you know, Malachi 3, everything about tithing and so on like that and giving to God. The, the more chintzy you are with God, then the chintzier it winds up being in your life. The more you worry about money so much relative to God, the more money just seems to just slip through your fingers where there's always a need for something. But this kind of sowing is not only referring to God, okay, money, I should say. It's also referring to your relationship with God. It's, it's referring to how much you're willing to commit yourself to God, how much, much you're willing to invest your time in God. The interesting thing about us Christians, and, and that we all have to kind of check ourselves on this, is that we'll spend many hours sometimes and many days and weeks praying to God and crying to God because we need a blessing, because we need something to materialize in our lives. And then when we wind up being blessed after we have the job, after we have the money for rent, after we have the car we've been praying for, after we have all of these things, then all of a sudden it's like we forget about God. We stop praying to him. We start crying. We stop crying to him. We stop attending to be in his presence. We stop doing the things that we were doing back when the need was there. And we really as Christians need to check ourselves on that. Okay? Because that's like a slap in God's face. 
God will bless you with something, then all of a sudden you forget. You forget to give back to God. Not only financially, but you forget to give back to God of your time and of your heart and of your spirit. You forget about him in the ways that you should be thinking about him. Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't know much about farming at all, but I do know if you plant one or two seeds, okay, then I imagine you maybe get one or two plants. But if you plant a whole lot of seeds, and you know, then chances are you'll wind up getting a whole lot of, lot of seeds, a whole lot of plants in return. All right, so you wind up reaping what you sow, you see. And we forget about this as we go through life. We just kind of just go along, la da da la da da you know, not thinking about what am I doing with my life that may be impacting my life later on. Or what am I not doing with my life that may or may not impact my life later on. Later on, okay? Very rarely do we stop to do a, 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 a quality check, if you will, on our spiritual life. How am I relating to God? Am I forgetting about God? Am I, am I putting the way that man thinks about things um, above the way God views things? Okay? Okay? Many times I will do certain things and people will say, oh, boy, well, that's kind of harsh or that's kind of this, that's kind of that. Well, I have to do things in line with honoring God. And you should be thinking about that, too, where God is first in your life. The needs of man, in a way, relative to God, are secondary. You see, so what you what you uh, what you are on plant, that is indeed what you wind up uh, reaping in order for you to benefit from the spiritual concept of reaping and sowing. Something else is required. OK, and that something else is, of course, faith. OK, and I'm getting here. And when I say getting to the spiritual concept is that I really need you to understand this message. I really need you to 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 to, to shift your, your thinking pattern. And to get away from how you normally think about doing business in life, to how you normally think about giving, not only of money, but of your time, of your energy, of your thoughts, of your prayers, how you think about doing that. Because everything that you do in your life, especially if you have needs and wants from God, and we all do, we all want to have a prosperous life. And prosperity covers more than just money, by the way. Prosperity covers health. It, 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 it covers sanity. It, it, it covers your, 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 your mental state. OK, prospering is not being in a state of depression, not worrying about things. OK, all of this is prosperity. But what you are putting into your spiritual life depends on what you wind up getting out of it. But many times we just don't think about that. OK. And in order to to our uh, the, the word of God talks quite a lot about, about faith. Uh, many say that it's hard to have faith. Many say that it's hard to have a strong faith. In order to have faith, though, you must even plant your faith. In order to have faith, you must plant your faith. Now, why would you need to plant your faith? Well, planting your faith like anything else means that if you plant it um, uh, uh, in, in, in volumes, then the return will be in volumes. If your faith is wind up very, very minuscule and you're only planting it very, very sparingly, then guess what? The results of that faith are also going to be sparse. So you have to really start thinking about your, 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 your level of faith. And it's easy to say, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. But then why do you go to bed worrying? Why do you go to bed and you're unable to sleep? Why is your heart racing? Why do you feel like there's a cloud that's hanging over you all the time? Why is it that you don't, you're not able to smile? Why is it that you're not able to have joy in your life? Why is it, why is it that you aren't able to just give a good, bellow-rocking, laughing guffaw? You know, you know, when was the last one thing people say about me? And sometimes they tell me to tone it down a little bit. But when I get a good laugh going, they can hear it in Brooklyn, New York. Amen. Because I have joy in my spirit. But how many have really just had a good time to just laugh? Okay, 
If you find yourself where you're not enjoying life, where there's always a cloud hanging around you, then you need to do some spiritual thinking. You need to do some spiritual review. What's going on? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Bible talks about joy. Jesus talked about joy. Okay? So what are you reaping that is so sparse, perhaps? Okay? What are you sowing, I should say, that is so sparse, perhaps, that you're not able to fully reap back the things that should be, indeed, giving you joy? Okay? We're all given, given a measure of faith. I touched on this briefly uh, last week, but let's go to Romans. Book of Romans. Book of Romans, chapter 12. Book of Romans, chapter 12. Okay, Romans 12, 3. Let's start at 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. Yeah, okay. uh, Holy, uh, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So before we even go further, uh, well, let me continue here through three. Uh, For I say... For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Okay, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, before I get on to explaining verse 3, you have to understand what is being said there in uh, verse number 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. First of all, before you can get to really understanding this faith thing and sowing and reaping, you need to have your mind transformed. Okay? Which, which, is, which is where, uh, when you became a born-again child of God and you accepted Jesus, and, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the word of God says that you are a new creation. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. So that means then that your mind also has the ability to be renewed. Starting with today, if you cannot renew your mind and understand and grasp where we're coming from here and reading these scriptures and what the word of God is saying, then you're going to have a hard time dealing with the whole concept of spiritual reaping and sowing and how you can really bring this profound faith that will bring about all of the blessings in life that you're praying for. Okay, so it says there to renew your mind. And then verse three again, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's pride. That's pride. As soon as you start going around thinking that you know it all, that you know all there is to know about the word of God, that there's no more for you to learn. Okay, that the things of God just sound so silly because I can do this on my own. I can do this. This is pride that is sinking in and it will indeed block you from learning the deeper things of God. So until you can turn your mind around and say, I need to think, I need to look at life differently. I need to look at God perhaps differently as I've been viewing God. And what is it that God is really trying to tell me? What is it that I need to do that is different from what I normally do? Okay. Now, if you don't see that need, then that means that you're living a dynamite life. You're totally victorious. There's no need for you to be in church. You don't need to worry about God because you got it all under control because you're doing it yourself. Don't think so highly of yourself. 
You need to really turn your turn around and start thinking, I need God. I need everything that I can hear from and learn from God. But to think slowly according to God, uh, according as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Okay? So that means that everyone has the same measure of faith. God does not say specifically what size it is. Doesn't so know that it's the size of a dime, a nickel, a penny, or a quarter. But whatever, whatever that measure is, we all have the same measure. Because otherwise, God would be playing favorites if he gave one person more than another. If God gave me a bigger anointing of faith than any one of you, then that means that God is, is, is respecting me more than others. And God, and the word of God says he's not a respecter of persons. Amen. When God says that I'm giving everyone the same measure of faith, you have the same amount of faith that I have to believe for and to see miraculous things happening in your life. Now, the reason why someone may or may not see wondrous and miraculous things in life is because perhaps they're not exercising their faith. They're not planting their faith. They're not using their faith in, 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 a, in an abundant sort of way. They are sparingly using their faith. And how do you sparingly uh, uh, using your faith? Well, gee whiz, um, I'm hungry. I'm going to go home. Hope I can find some food there. I think when I'm going to get home, I think I'm going to find some food there. Now, how much faith is that when you pretty much know that there's food there? All right. How much faith is it knowing that, uh, uh, um, that, that, that perhaps, uh, gee whiz, I need to, I need to be able to, to spend a uh, dollar fifty on something. I pray and I hope I can, I can find that dollar fifty. And in your pocket, you've got ten or twenty, thirty dollars in your pocket. Okay, so how much faith is that? All right, that's using your, your faith very, very sparingly. It's using your faith when you're, you're praying to God for something relatively small. And God answers that prayer and he blesses you with that thing that's small. But when it comes to something that is really big, I need a house. I need a car. I need this. I need that. And it's really a big thing. And it seems so far out of your reach that you don't plant your faith. You don't plant that seed. Okay? You don't plant it. And so, therefore, because you're not planting that seed of faith, that, that seed cannot grow. So you wind up reaping exactly what you've sown. And that is very, very little. The results are very little because you've, you, you, you've planted very, very little. So how, how, do we, how do we take this faith now, knowing that you have the same amount of faith that I have? And faith isn't something that once you use it, it just runs out. It's not like you're taking it out of the cupboard and you're, okay, I'm going to use this today. i got so much for tomorrow. No, no, no. That faith is there and it just grows and grows and grows. As a matter of fact, the more you plant that faith, the more you use it, the more it grows. Because when you plant that faith for something small, when the water thing came around, the bad, the advisory thing, I literally prayed at one point about letting me be able to find some water. I literally prayed about it. Okay, but I pray about hangnails. I pray about finding, hope there's some tissue up in the bedroom where I can blow my nose so I don't have to go back downstairs to get tissue. I pray about little silly things because I know that God answers me in those little silly things. And therefore, over the many, many years, those little things has grown my faith. And surely enough, I was able to find water. Every place I went, there was water, and I was able to get it. So I know that all I need to do is to pray for God, and he'll answer me for water. So the same way I know that he'll answer me for water, he will answer me for something bigger. I need a car. I need a house. I know that God will answer that prayer because I am planting, I am planting, I am planting that faith. But if you don't plant it, if you try to use some other rationale to figure out how things are going to work in my life, if you try to figure it out and, oh, if I do this, if I do that, then you're not planting your faith. 
And so you're, 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 you're being, you're sowing it very, very sparingly. And you're going to wind up reaping very, very sparingly. Okay? God does not, is not a respecter of persons. Let's go to Romans uh, 2. Romans chapter 2. Okay? Talking about not being a respecter of persons. Romans 2, verse number 10. Romans 2, verse number 10. Praise the living God. Romans 2, verse number 10. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that works good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For, uh, for there is no respect of persons with God. There is no respect of persons with God. So when God says that he's given to every man a measure of faith, that means he's giving to me the same amount that he's giving to you. If you're tall, short, fat, slim, whatever it may be, God is going to be giving you that faith. You see, you see. But the devil will lie to you. The devil will lie to you. And don't tell me this hasn't gone through many's minds. When you're praying about something, you're praying to God and you're telling God, I'm going to have faith. But deep down, deep down, deep down inside, in one little small pocket of your spirit, there's that doubt. There's that doubt. Gee whiz, this is a big order. This is a tall order. I don't know if God is going to be able to answer this particular prayer for me. This is a tall order for God. So deep down in your side, you're still holding back. You're still holding back. You're not planting all that you could be planting. Okay? But that same measure, that same measure God gave, gave to you that he gave to me. If I can have strong faith for a house, for a car, for a job, or whatever it might be, then you can have certainly that same strong faith because God has given you that same measure. He, because he's not a respecter of, person, of, of persons. He does say all it takes is a specific size. Now, let's go to Matthew 13, talking about size. He does mention in a couple of cases that all it takes is a certain size of faith. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Okay, and we're going to start with verse number 14. We all have the same measure of faith. Okay, now whatever that measure looks like, if you could give it, give it a size or a shape. But then he, then he says in verse number 14, And when they would come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. And so vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, underline that, because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, underline that, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say, underline the word say, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. 
Okay, underline please, and nothing shall be impossible to you. So if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. So here now God is talking about about a size of faith. Now, faith, again, like I said, isn't something that can actually be weighed or measured or touched or shaped. Okay, but God is saying a faith the size of mustard seed. Now, there was a time in... Holy Spirit, so guys, maybe I'll, I'll do it again, but I had went out and I bought, I bought a group, a bunch of uh, mustard seeds, and I actually put one mustard seed into a little plastic envelope and gave it to everyone that was in the congregation with this scripture there. And you can see how really tiny a mustard seed is. I mean, it's very, very tiny. But from that mustard seed, a mighty, mighty tree grows. Okay? So Jesus is saying that if you have a mustard seed, a, a, your faith is that small. That's small, okay? And if you really believe, you say, why? Because of their unbelief, okay? Then when you are planting that faith in whatever is going on in your life for whatever the need is, okay, it doesn't take a whole lot of it, but it just means that you have to really, really plant it with, with belief and with faith that that mustard seed-sized faith is going to grow. But many times we simply don't do that. We don't even have the mustard size, size of faith to have things happen in our lives. And we wonder why things are going wrong. We wonder why answers are not there. Okay? So it takes some action on your part in terms of what is it that you're sowing. Faith as a grain of a mustard seed can put into action many, many things that are in your life. You need to grow your, growing your faith may require a life change. Growing your faith may actually require a life change. What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? Is there something in your life that you're holding on to? A way of life, something, some person, something that could be holding you back. That song, I think I mentioned this last week, that song, uh, that is song, what's that is in your, what's that in your hand? If you're willing to lose it, then God can use it. There may be something in your life that is actually tying you back and preventing you from moving on to the next level. You know, it can be people, it can be friends, it can be habits, bad habits that you have. It can be a way of thinking that could be holding you back, you know? Every single time that you make up your mind, say you're sitting in church and you hear a message that is particularly, it resonates in your spirit. It makes sense to you. And then by the time you actually get home and whatever it is that you're working with and dealing with in your life and you start thinking about the message that you just heard, then all of a sudden something comes back in your mind and starts saying, but wait a minute though, that can't work. That wouldn't work what I'm praying for. It just doesn't make sense. And then you wind up with the thought pattern that you are used to, you're accustomed to having. That thought pattern negates, negates what you just learned. You see? So you've got to learn also to push out of your mind anything that would, would contradict what the Word of God is saying that would be possible in your life. Because otherwise you'll wind, you'll wind up uh, robbing yourself of possibly, possibly a very big blessing. People, places, things, habits create comfort comfort zones that we don't want to leave. I'll repeat that again. People, places, things, habits create comfort zones that we simply just don't want to leave. Now, hold on to this. And why is that? Why is it that we that these things put us in a place that we don't want to leave? Because a comfort zone makes us live or lets us live in a world that requires minimal faith. A comfort zone is a place where you're living that doesn't require much faith, okay? Now, even though it's a miserable place for you to be in, you'd rather stay there than to actually do the work of exercising some faith to get out of that that situation. So it's comfortable for you, okay? 
being in a constant state of misery, being in a constant state of depression is actually comfortable to you. Now, you'll say, now, that's a that's a contradiction right there. That's a paradox. How can you be comfortably depressed? You can be comfortably depressed because you know that in order for you to get out of this depression, especially if you've been listening to the word of God, especially if you've been really seriously listening to the word of God, listening to Holy Spirit, because that would require some change. It would require for you to do something to get out of that depression, out of that depression or that misery that you're in. But but in order for you, it's more comfortable for you to stay in that depression zone. Because it's going to require some work for you to get out of it. Does that make sense? Make sense? Okay. okay. Because the fact that you are so, so so comfortable in being there and you are so accustomed to being there, to the concept of, oh, gee whiz, i got to think about now what I'm thinking about and I need to change how I've been thinking. I need to actually get up and spend some time with God. I need to actually do what the Word of God is telling me to do. I need to actually start saying things and speaking to that mountain. Had you underlined the word say, because Jesus said, speak to that mountain. But the fact, though, your comfort zone says, all I got to do is lay here on my pillow and cry. And next thing you know, there'll be time to get up and then I'll get up and I'll go to work and I'll be distracted away from what's bothering me. Okay, so I'll be in that comfort zone. Noontime will come. My comfort zone is it's lunchtime. It's time to eat. Next thing you know, it's time for the three o'clock break and your comfort zone is there and you're kind of forgetting about it. But then when you get home, guess what's there waiting for you? That big old big D, that big old depression, that big old sadness, that big old issue that's going on in your life is there waiting for you. And guess what? You feel very comfortable. You walk in the door and you say, hello, depression. Walk in the door and say, hello, misery. You walk in the door and say, hello, fear. You walk in the door and you say, hello, failure. Because it's so familiar to you. All right? So being in a comfort zone can actually hinder you. And being, and, and, and being in that comfort zone, realizing that it should, you need to change your thinking until you realize you wake up and you say, gee whiz, this is, this is day three. And I'm still feeling like that. Or wake up, gee, this is day 37. <laughs> and I'm still feeling like that. And I've been praying. I've been crying out, God, help me, help me, help me. You've been crying out. Yes, so you're still doing the same thing over and over and over again. What is that old sentence saying about insanity or something? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, thinking you're going to get different results. You keep banging your head against the wall and gee whiz, oh Lord, that hurts, that Lord, that hurts. And you keep banging your head. Well, stop banging your head. You want to get out of that zone, then get out of the comfort zone because we don't realize it, but you wind up accepting that bad state to the point that you're comfortable with it. And you start thinking that this is a normal part of my life to live like that. Okay? I think I mentioned to you before how many times, especially when I was rushing to get to the office and whatnot, I'd be in the car and I'd be going through a mental check. I got my keys, got my ID pass, I got this, I got, got my wallet, got my wallet. Gee, I've got everything now, it must be something I'm forgetting. There's got to be something I'm forgetting to the point that I almost want to turn around and go back to the house because you, 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 you can't become accustomed to having things going all right in your life. All right. God wants things to go all right in your life. But if you're so comfortable with that misery and you're holding on to it, then it's going to keep you holding back. OK, comfort zones let us live with a minimal amount of faith. It's very easy to live in that comfort zone because you don't have to have faith to get out of it. 
What does having faith mean? It takes some action on your part. It means, the prophecy means living with God. Amen? It means living with God. Not just an occasional visit, but living with God. Making a commitment to God. Hooking up with God. Joining your arms with God. Standing shoulder to shoulder with God. That requires some action. Okay? But we live in our miserable comfort zone so long that it's so comfortable and easy for me to get up without thinking about God. To go wash our teeth, brush our teeth without thinking about God. To get up and wash your face. Your face. Get up in the morning and you go in and you brush your teeth. What if one day you looked in the mirror and you didn't have any teeth? <laughs> All right? Really stretching it. Really stretching it. You just take things so for granted. So for granted. Amen? 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 But, 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 uh, but I, I, I'm saying that to say that these are the routines that we get into. And how many people get up and be honest? I'm not saying asking for a show of hands, but think about this to yourself. How many get up from the time they open their eyes to the time they get to the bathroom to start showering and everything? How many think about God? How many wake up and actually say, good morning, Lord? Your comfort zone is simply get up and the first thing your God is that coffee pot. First thing you do, you run to the coffee pot. And if you're blessed enough to have one with an automatic timer, you've been thinking about it the night before because you already set the timer. All right? You already got the so it's hot and ready for you. So it's even less time for God. Amen? So that's your comfort zone, though. You see what I'm saying? That's your comfort zone. You know? And, and, and start checking that for yourself tomorrow morning. Or start checking it from the time that you leave here. Your Sunday afternoon has a certain pattern to it. Okay? And that's your comfort zone. What if you were to break that pattern, you called up so-and-so, and you know something? I feel in my spirit, first place, your, your first comfort zone check would probably stop you there because you're not going to want to say to someone that's waiting for you, I feel in my spirit. You're going to be ashamed to say that. But I feel in my spirit that I'm going to hold off meeting. But today I'm going home and spend some time with God. That's outside of your comfort zone. Every single Sunday after church, you do this, you do that. What if Holy Spirit really put it in you? I'm not saying this is going to happen to you today. It may or it may not. But Lord, put it in your, whole, in your, in your heart, in your spirit, that I, I want you to come this afternoon to spend some time with me. And here you are going to meet Betty Boop for after lunch or whatever like that. And you call her up and you say, well, guess what, Betty? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to meet you today. I feel in my spirit and you're going to be swallowing hard when you say that. Because she's going to think you're nuts for saying that. I feel in my spirit. Because Betty Boop don't talk that way. That's way outside her comfort zone, okay? All right? What if you went outside your comfort zone and canceled that? And said, I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm go and spend some time with God. I'm going to go live with God this afternoon. Because there's some things that I know he wants to tell me about. Because I know God doesn't want me hassling this way. All right? But instead, you don't do that. Because it's more comfortable for you, rather than to have to explain to Betty Boop why you don't want to go to after lunch with her, or the lunch with her, that's more, that takes more energy, and you're more ashamed to do that, so that's taking you way outside of your comfort zone. So you don't do what God is calling you to do. See? You gotta start thinking about how you live if you really, really, really want to be victorious. And you can, you can take that little silly example to many, many things that are more actual in your lives. The things that you wind up doing that are more that are more important to you, because it's by habit that you do these things, than actually doing what God is calling us to do here. Don't just visit him, but come and live with him. Oh, I think about you, God. 
Every Sunday morning. Well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What about, what about the rest of the week? Well, I think about you, Lord. Yeah, between 10.30 and 12.30 Sunday. I think about you. What about 1 o'clock? What about 2 o'clock on Sunday? Or do you, you, you just forget him? Okay? Get out of that comfort zone. Your comfort zone could be holding you back. Okay? Okay? And, and, and the more you live there, the more you live there, the, the, the less faith is required of you. Let's go to Ephesians 4 and winding down here. Realizing who we are is extremely helpful. Realizing who we are in Christ is extremely helpful in getting us to this place. And being able to to, to say no to some things. Being able to say no to some people. Being able to, 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 to not do which is routinely done simply because it's a matter of it being routinely done. This was what I do every Sunday after church. This is what I do every Monday. It's what I do first thing in the morning every day. What if you change that around a little bit? What if you change that around? You see, you see, the thing about God is that while God is consistent, while God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you get yourself in a very poor state, in a very bad position, when you start taking God for granted. Now, God said he will always be there. Yes, we can depend on that. God says the same yesterday, forever. Yes, we can depend on that. Okay, God loves us. Yes, we can depend on that. But the minute you start thinking that Tuesday morning is going to be just like Monday morning when I get up, and when I get in my car, and when I go to work, it's going to be the same. Guess what? All heck could break loose. You don't know that. You don't know that. When you get up on Tuesday morning, you don't think you're going to be in a car accident. You don't think that when you get to work that the place is going to be shut down. You don't, you don't know that all of a sudden the state has gone bankrupt and your whole department is being wiped out and you don't have a job. All right? You see? But our comfort zones get us in the place where we just kind of start taking God for granted. And taking God for granted is different than knowing that God is faithful and that God is, is, is committed to you and that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a difference between that. Okay? Taking God for granted is the very, very fact even that you're going to wake up tomorrow morning. Okay? What does the Word of God say? What well, the guy said that the man said that he was going to our, um, store up all of these things in his barns and this and that and this and that. And God said, oh, you fool. Do you not know that this night, this very night, your soul will be required of you? You see, so we take God for granted, you see, and by you taking God for granted, just knowing that every single day I don't need God, that puts you in that comfort zone because it requires no work on your part, requires no thought. Your comfort zone is getting advice from somebody else. Your comfort zone is calling up someone else. Your comfort zone is hearing some doctrine that is way off in left field, but because someone else is content listening to that doctrine, you keep listening to that doctrine because that's your comfort zone. Instead of you being called out and letting God call you out, you sit back and you rather hear something that makes it easier to keep everyone at peace. Okay? The money changers in the marketplace, in, in the temple rather, uh, you know, they were in their comfort zone. They'd been doing that for God knows how long. What did Jesus do? Jesus went through there. He upset their comfort zones. He turned that place out. 
Maybe you need to turn your life out. Maybe it's time for you to, to do some real, real serious research and think about what you are or are not doing. Okay? So what is it that we need to do? Ephesians 4, chapter 4, gives us some good insights into what we, how we should be living. And uh, um, let's just start at verse number 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. It's another thing. You've been given grace, which means that we shouldn't be taking advantage of it, but we've been given grace. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it, is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same who also that ascended up for far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Why do we have these, these positions? It's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Underline for the edifying of the body of Christ, which is something else in itself there. How much do we edify others that are around us? How much do we, do we edify and build up? We can say all sorts of things. It's a free country, so to speak. You can say everything that you, that anything that you want to say, but the question is, should you say it? Should you say it? If you're not going to be building someone up by your words, maybe think about whether or not you should be saying it. Everything that I think of, I certainly just don't blurt out and say, because this scripture pops in my spirit every time I have a desire to. Yeah, you can say anything you want, but should you? All right? Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the status of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Underline that, please. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. And cunning, craftiness, whereby they live in wait to deceive. Underline all of that. Okay? Henceforth, no more, no, no more children. Be no more children. Tossed back and forth. Carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight or by the trickery of men. And cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Okay? Get out of that comfort zone. Just because what you're hearing sounds comfortable to you. What you're hearing doesn't stir up anything in your spirit that says, oh boy, maybe I need to change something. Stop and consider that what you may be hearing may be a whole lot of deception. Carried away by every single wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. But uh, verse uh, 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up, up, uh, up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom we, excuse me, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body uh, unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, brethren, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Please underline that. That you henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of the mind. Okay? Vanity of the mind is also, like I said before, is you thinking that you have the solution to all things. Okay? Ancient Greece, ancient Rome, they had a pantheon of gods. They had a proliferation of gods. 
They actually believed in the body and the spirit and they, they, they sat around and philosophized and thought and all of that sort of thing. But when it came down to understanding a one God, it was far beyond them. They thought they had it figured out. Okay, in their minds. So as long as you think that you have it figured out absent God, then you're going to be missing the mark every single time around. Okay, he says, don't walk that way. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Underline that, please. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Someone asked in Bible study the other night, how is that you can just speak to some people and it just seems to go over their head? They just don't, don't, for the, they just cannot understand what you're talking about. They can't follow. Well, there's the answer right there. Having your understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of the heart. They're blind. They're blind. They're blind. They simply cannot see. Their hearts are in a position that they simply cannot understand because they don't know God. You're speaking deep spiritual things of God, which can only be discerned by the Spirit. So if the person that you're talking to is lacking in the Spirit, then they're not going to understand what it is that you're saying. Okay, verse 19. Who being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If so, be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, underline that, please. You put off off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and underline 23 and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay, you need to put off the old way of thinking. If what you're hearing here today is contrary to what you've always believed, then maybe it's time time to you to start thinking about that. Okay? Especially if you've believed something other than what the word of God here is actually saying. Okay? Put off, put off the old man. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Amen? So put on the new man. Put on the new man. Do away with that old thinking. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 25, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Interesting there, too. Lying, which God talks about so much. Do you realize that lying is a huge comfort zone? Lying in itself is a huge comfort zone. Because many times it's so many, so so easy for any of us. To simply tell a lie and avoid the truth. It's so easy to just tell a lie, you know. Oh, I, you know, I, I, I missed you. I missed you at the mall. We were going to have lunch. What happened? My dog ate my car keys. Okay? My dog ate my car keys. Okay? Obvious lie. But it's so easy for you, it's so easy for you to actually just simply tell that lie instead of telling the person, well, actually what it is, you know what, yeah, I should have called you, but I decided I need to spend some time with God, so I decided to stay home and pray today. But no, it's easier to say something really silly. You've heard people talk about white lies and all that sort of thing. No such thing as a white lie. A lie is a lie. A lie is a lie. Simple as that. Okay, but that's an easy, that's a big comfort zone for many Christians even to fall into. Be ye angry and sin not. 
Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Changing the way of your thinking. Changing the way of your thinking. A comfort zone is to just be angry and just go to bed and be angry. Just go to sleep. 27. Neither give place to the devil. Big comfort zone. It's so easy to give place to the devil by entertaining thoughts that you shouldn't be entertaining. By letting your mind be distracted. By letting your conversation be distracted so that you can't hear what's actually being said. By being caught up in other things, taking you off of what's going on when the Holy Spirit perhaps is trying to minister to you. And that's so easy for that to happen. You need to change your thinking. You need to start thinking about where do I need to be focused? How should I focus? You know, I, 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 I say to you that um, this is no game. It's no game. Worshiping God is in joy, is indeed a joyful thing. Understanding scripture is indeed a joyful thing. But the minute that you just start thinking, well, gee whiz, another 15 minutes and I'll be out of here. Another this, another that. And you're just kind of just letting the time slip by instead of just really letting the word of God sink into your spirit. The devil is very, very crafty. Very crafty. He knows just when to distract you. He knows just when to get your minds and your thought off of what's being said and what's going on and what you're reading. The devil knows how to get in there. And especially when it's something that you really, really, really need to hear. Amen. Amen. So all I'm just saying to you is that if you really want to be successful, if you really want to be powerful in your life, have the Holy Spirit powerful in your life and to really benefit from what the word of God is saying, you got to change your thinking. You got to get out of the comfort zone. The things that you that you have done habitually, the things that you've always thought of and accepted, you need to give some thought to it. Putting away lying, uh, be, 26 again, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your mouth. Neither give place to the devil. And the devil can find so many places in your life where you don't even suspect him to pop up. The word of God says in Ephesians, I just feel hung, compelled to stay on this just for a moment longer. It says you wrestle not against flesh and blood. Again, Bible study. Okay, but against the, 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 the powers of darkness, principalities. The word of God talks about being aware of the wiles of the devil. Okay, the wiles of the devil, that's his trickery. That's his deceptions. That's his distractions. Okay, the devil will very rarely hit you point blanket. The devil's not going to appear in front of you in a red suit and a pitchfork. Okay, and a pointy tail. No, no, no. He's going to come to you as your mother, your husband, your wife, a co-worker, a thought, any little thing that just flashes in your mind to get you distracted. Give the devil no place. You see? The more you know about him, the more you realize how he operates, the less power, the less hold he has over your life. And he does not want that to happen. He doesn't want that to happen. So therefore, he'll just put things in your way. He'll put things in your way to keep you distracted. Neither give place to the devil. Verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Some of our politicians need should hear that. Okay, let people work, encourage people to work. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. All right. Let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the the hearers. You know, this is a big comfort zone to many people. I've known many folks in the office place there where they love to tell dirty jokes. 
That's their comfort zone. They feel popular that way. Tell the dirty, dirty joke, and they look at me, I'm the only one not laughing. You don't find that funny? I said, no, I don't. Matter of fact, it's rather disgusting. Simple as that. Speak things that are edifying. edifying. Put, put, put away corrupt communication. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Please underline verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You ever think about possibly that we may be grieving the Holy Spirit by not do what he's calling us to do? When you feel deep down inside God calling you to do something, God is calling you to say something, God is calling you for a particular action. And you just kind of ignore it. Imagine how he feels. You know how it would feel if you're talking to somebody, you're holding a deep conversation, you're really conversing with them, and in the middle of your sentence they turn around like this and walk away. <laughs> just walk away. You stand there like with your mouth open, your hand like that, mid-sentence, they just turn. Well, do you realize that maybe we do that to God sometime? Okay, you see? And God, Holy Spirit, being a gentleman, is not one that's going to shout out at you and say, Hey, you! He's not going to do that. Holy Spirit could be quietly talking to you. You've got an issue. Okay? You've got an issue. You see? You see? But that's the difference, though, in, 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 in visiting God and living with God. Okay? If you're living with God and God is always with you and you are always with him and you are acknowledging that fact, it's a lot easier for you to hear his voice and to understand it. Okay? Now, it is indeed possible, but chances are someone that you're living with and you know them very well and they're talking to you, you're not going to turn around mid-sentence and walk away from them. I said chances are, because I dare say some do, okay? But chances are someone that's really close to you, they're talking to you, you're not just going to turn around abruptly and walk away. But if it's someone that you don't know, and especially if you really don't want to hear their voice, because you know that what they might be saying sometimes is something that's going to make you change something. We wind up not listening to God because we fear that what God is going to tell us to do is going to make us think or behave differently. It's going to take us out of our comfort zone. Amen. So let's not grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's not grieve him. Verse 31 here in closing. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Even as God for Christ's sake has given you. Amen. So realizing who we are and not following others is an important step. We have to realize that that getting out of that comfort zone and doing what God would be calling us to do is a big goes a long way in making sure that we're able to sow faith. So that we can indeed reap stronger faith and results in our lives. Amen. Amen. So let us continue to think on these things and, 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 and listen to do, do, do an assessment. Do an assessment of your life. Where are you in terms of habits and things like that? Where are you? What is it that you do? What is it that you may have to change in the name of Jesus? Amen. So before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings. And I pray this message was a blessing to you in the name of Jesus.